Secrets Unknown, weighing in at a combined weight of nearly 500 pounds. We're opening up this episode of Monster Kid Radio with the band The Mighty Blue Demons. This is their song, Beatnik Bandit. The Blue Demons can be found on Facebook, on YouTube, and on this episode of the podcast, devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 270, where we're going to talk about a luchador film, a luchador monster movie. It's not a movie with Blue Demon in it, but there's a reason why we're playing the Blue Demons, and that's because our guest this week, Ken Blows, got to hang out with Blue Demon Jr. at a recent Monster Bash. He's going to tell us all about that experience after he and I talk about the movie, and I'm just going to say the English title. I'll let him pronounce the Spanish title. Santo versus the Martian Invasion from 1967, starring... Santo and a bunch of other wrestlers, some Martians, some kids. There's a professor involved. You know, we're going to talk all about this movie. This is one of the movies that I had an opportunity to see on the big screen a couple of years ago here in Portland. It was so much fun then, and it was so much fun again to watch at home and doubly fun, doubly, triply, whatever. It was a lot more fun to talk about the movie with Ken. Ken is not a newcomer to Monster Kid Radio, even though this is his first real big guest appearance on the show if you head over to monsterkidradio.net across the top there's a menu and one of those items that just reads creature breakdown what ken did for us a while back is he went through and he watched creature from the black lagoon and he tracked exactly how long the gill man appears in that movie when he appears the start and stop time the duration what type of shot it was who else was in the scene it's an impressive piece of scholarship you might want to go check that out when you're done listening to this episode of the podcast. And we're going to talk to Ken. We're also going to play a round of the Classic Five with him because that's what we do with all newcomers here on Monster Kid Radio, I've decided. And I'm going to spin a couple of trailers right now. Seven young people shipwrecked on a mysterious island. The island was deserted. Not even birds or animals dared to come here. What did they find? Hey! Hey! Seaweed, fish, and turtle eggs. Anything we can eat, as well as snakes and lizards. Just let me finish. There's a lot of grass growing around here. You can eat the roots. You can eat the roots of a lot of plants here. Never thought of that, did you? They were driven to the edge of starvation. Food was scarce, and they were forbidden to eat the mushrooms that grew on the island. Fear and hunger turned them against each other. (gasps) I'll kill you. But hunger will help me live. I haven't been hungry since I left the ship. Mamie. Oh, help me. Help me. Please. Can't we eat the mushrooms now? That would really be the end of us. Akiko!
Matongo, the horrible mushrooms. Matongo, the vegetable monster. Can they escape the dreaded Matongo? You'll find out when you see Matongo. Hey, comic book fans. I'm Joe Stuber, producer and host of Comic Book Central, where each and every week I welcome a legendary talent to the Comic Book Central lair to talk about bringing comic books to life. Greetings, true believers. This is Stan Lee. When do you think the Academy is going to wise up and create a special Oscar category for best cameo? I don't know. They're just asleep on their feet. Maybe your show, maybe this interview will be the turning point. She is Erin Gray. Erin, welcome to the show. I ended up being a contract player making, I think it was $600 a week. Gil was doing great. He was making the big bucks. You got the posters, though. You got <laughs> yes. the posters. Come I on. look better in white spandex. What can I say? Hey, this is Michael Rosenbaum. Lex Luthor from Smallville. Make sure you listen to this guy's show. He sounds like a good guy. People should listen to you, Joe. Catch the very latest episodes at the website, comicbookcentral.net. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, like it on Facebook, follow it on Twitter, and be sure to join me each and every week for Comic Book Central. This is Dean Kane, Superman from Lois and Clark, and you're listening to Comic Book... Comic Book... Comic Book Central... Where comic books come to life. Excelsior. I say there are things better left unsolved. Who knows what waits for us in nature's no man's land? Unbelievable, fantastic, but I tell you it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Yes, it could happen. For various authorities believe that buried somewhere under the polar ice cap, in a state of suspended animation, are the awesome creatures, the leviathans that roamed the earth at the dawn of time. And under certain conditions, a nuclear explosion could free one from his icy tomb. Then, guided by instinct, the beast would come back, back to the caverns of the deepest Atlantic where it was spawned. An armored giant wreaking his prehistoric fury on modern man and his puny machines. Cities would be terrorized by the cruel intruder from the past. Populations crazed and panicked with fear by its destructive force. Granite and steel would crumble. Soldiers and their weapons would be powerless before the onslaught of the beast. The beast. The beast. The beast from 20,000 fathoms. Herald Square, 34th Street, Broadway. Every section of the city is guarded. No one knows where the monster will strike next. Another one, Colonel? No. You know what the radioactive isotope is? No, but if it can be loaded, I can fire it. I'll load it. Just remember one thing. This is the only isotope of its kind this side of Oak Ridge, so you can't miss.
Monster Kid Radio. Lucha de Mayo didn't quite go the way that I planned, but one of the things that I am most excited about was that I was able to get some people on the show that have never been on the show before, people who love these Luchador monster movies as much, if not more, than I. And I've got one of those guys on the show right now, Ken Blows. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I feel especially honored because uh, so many of your guests are either podcasters or authors or filmmakers, and I'm just a big fan. (laughs) (laughs) I have a little bit. I have like my 15 minutes of fame at the Monster Bash. I I play Santo at the Monster Bash, and I've done a couple videos and some presentations there dressed up as Santo. uh, my, My claim to fame is uh, I'm a monster kid. I'm uh, a late generation monster kid. You know, I was born in 1964, and so I was kind of late to the game as far as the shock theater, but I was like a 70s monster kid. But at the same time, I've lived in Mexico now for 25 years, so I'm bilingual. That's a big help for the Monster Bash when they have their Mexican night. So I did a big thing. I do a thing there, and I dress up like Santo and and pretend I don't speak any English and have a good time with them. So that's kind of my claim to fame. But uh Thanks for having me on, Derek. It's a pleasure and an honor. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you made the time to make this happen. I've been kind of chasing you around, you know, trying to make schedules work, and I'm glad we finally made it work. You know, you said you're just a big fan. I think we're all just big fans. That's the prerequisite to be on the show, ladies and gentlemen. You just got to be a fan. You don't have to be a podcaster. You don't have to be a filmmaker. You just got to be a fan, and you're a fan, man. So <laughs> welcome home, I guess. Is what, I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a joy getting to know you and other podcasters, you know, through this medium where, you know, in the past, I did feel very alone until the internet came around and I started discovering and then the podcasting. It's just like going to a convention every every week, you know, and listening and sitting around and listening to friends talk and it's it's been a blast. I appreciate you and the show and um and all the podcasters out there who are touching my favorite subjects, pop culture subjects that I grew up with and still love. You said you were a late generation Monster Kid. I mean, so am I. I mean, I'm not one of the original Monster Kids myself, but I mean, we love these movies. You said you were a 70s monster kid. Is that when you first started seeing these movies as growing up, watching these Luchador monster movies? Or was that something that came around later for you? Uh, when I was a kid, you know, my brothers, uh, my brothers are 10 and 7 years older than me. Uh, they would wake me up Friday nights, and we were living in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, we our monster show, our horror show at that time was called Project Terror. So it was like a special thing because they'd make me go to bed every night at 9 o'clock. But on Friday nights, they'd actually wake me up and see how scared I get uh, watching the monster movies. So I had particularly good memories, <laughs> fun memories of the movies like Attack of the Mushroom People and all the uh, Universal Classics. And then I got my first Famous Monsters a little bit later in like, like 1972, 73, FM 94 with Frankenstein on the cover. And that sealed the deal for me. And I found some friends in uh, elementary school. And we went through all the different fandoms. We were Star Trek fans. We were Planet of the Apes fans. We were DC comic fans. And then Star Wars came out. And I was 13 when Star Wars came out. So, of course, that was a life changer. And, but uh, it's always been stuck with me. Now, there was, like, there was a time I got into religion for a while. And I kind of gave it up. But um, it was always in the back of my mind whenever a video would come out. I'm a big Harryhausen fan. I'd get that new video. And uh, I always I'd have a little collection going. And then when the Internet came out and I started to discover that I'm not alone, I got back into Monster Kiddom, mainly to Ron Adams and the Monster Bash and his website and then uh, uh, Vince Rotolo and the B-Movie cast. And now Monster Kid Radio, too. I've been here since the beginning, since you started Monster Kid Radio. And uh, it's just being a kid again. You know, I've been an adult for so long. 
And I realized this isn't as fun as we thought it was going to be. I like being a kid, so, <laughs> so I'm basically living my childhood over again. I'm just getting into these kids. Now, as far as the Luchadora movies, to be honest with you, I moved to Mexico in 1991 and um, lived in Mexico City, the birthplace of all the great uh, Mexican movies. And it just wasn't that popular there. And I I'd looked for them, and every once in a while they'd come on TV and um, I didn't see a lot of them while living in Mexico. A couple times I would turn them on. And one time I, I remember distinctly turning one on. It was a Blue Demon uh, Santa movie. And I turned it on at a particularly boring point when they were you know, standing around in, in their suits, you know, in their leisure suits, just talking. I was like, this isn't so great. <laughs> the thing about this particular movie that we're going to talk about today, uh, Santo contra la invasión marciano, Santo versus the uh, Martian invasion, um, I have a particular love for this movie for a special reason. What uh, happened is that the uh, Monster Bash, which I've been going to since uh, 2010, they do a, a a Mexican movie there. At the time, they were doing it in Butler, Pennsylvania, and then, uh, and then they changed it to a town in Pennsylvania called Mars, Pennsylvania. So the big thing was, oh, it's going to be Monster Bash in Mars. So it's like, okay, well, let's do something. And I told Ron, let's do something so that hey, you know, we got the Martian, you know, do something Martian with the Mexican movie. So I looked up Santo and Martian, and yeah, he did a movie where he was fighting Martians. <laughs> so I said, this would be perfect. And he said, well, we don't have any dub version. We don't have any subtitles for that. And I said, I can fix that for you. So I took it upon myself to actually do a special Monster Bash dub for this movie. So in order to do that, and I never had dubbed a movie before, I don't have a lot of professional equipment, so it took a lot of time and a lot of viewings of this movie. <laughs> At first, I thought, this is a really cheesy movie. It's a real corny movie. But after watching it probably close to 40 times, you know, and watching it slowly to get every word and to translate every sentence of it, I fell in love with this movie. So I think I'm, I'm kind of an expert on it now. <laughs> <laughs> See, I could have gone either way, I suppose, watching it over and over and over again, either really loving it or just being so over it. So I'm glad you went to the love side. It's funny. I feel like there are a handful of movies that I've watched numerous times and after watching this one, which, you know, like I said, the first viewing, so I was like, this is so cheesy. This is so corny. This is, you know, it doesn't make it. It's one of those movies you could sit and riff on all day long because it has so many mistakes and errors and ridiculous things in it. I think watching movies over and over again, even though it's like there's so much new out there, it's like I don't want to watch something over again because there's so much new out there. But maybe that's the best way to fall in love with a movie is to watch it over and over again because even this cheesy movie I'm in love with. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the things about being a monster kid, too, is that we're able to watch some of these cheesy movies and we still celebrate. We still find something to, to enjoy, to love. And I know the movies that I love, most of them are pretty cheesy. Most people that I know in my real life probably roll their eyes every time I start talking about, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon or Frankenstein or Hammer Films or anything like that. But, you know, I still love them. And mm -hmm. this particular film, the Santo uh, versus the Martian Invasion, because I can't speak Spanish, I'm not even going to try because I can't roll my R's uh, <laughs> to get the title right. <laughs> you know, it is cheesy, but it's so fun. And that's one of the things that I love about these luchador monster movies is they're just playfully fun. There's a sense of playfulness, and I just love that ride. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things about Mexican cinema in general. One of the things that I did while living in Mexico I found a magazine uh, called Somos, which is We Are, 
in Spanish, and um, it had a list of the 100 best Mexican movies. And this, this magazine came out in the early 90s, so uh, you know it was looking at all the classic uh, Mexican movies. And I kind of set a goal of I'm going to try to see as many of these movies as I can. And one thing I found out about Mexican cinema in general is whatever type genre it is, whether it's a melodrama, musical, comedy, science fiction, horror, whatever, everything is over the top. And that's what makes them fun. They might be cheesy, but they are never boring. They just pull out all the stops. They do everything they can to make it as entertaining as possible. And it doesn't matter how ridiculous it turns out to be. It's a lot of fun because it's just over the top. There's movies that have not been dubbed yet, have not been subtitled. Americans love, like A Ship of Monsters is an example, that is so over the top, you don't need to know what's going on to be able to enjoy it because it's so much fun, because it's so over the top. Their comedies are extremely funny, and their melodramas, they try to drag the tears by force out of you, you know. <laughs> but they're, but they're, in the, they're, you know, they're, they're so over the top, they're just never boring. That's what I've discovered about Mexican cinema in general. And with these luchador movies, that's what it's about. Throw in the kitchen sink and just put in everything you can to make it as fun as possible and as entertaining as possible. And that's what this movie is. You know, we were joking with Frank Schildener when I had him on the show and we talked about the Mil Moscris film that so many of these movies, even if they're not dubbed or subtitled, you can still kind of follow along. It's the international language of wrestling, I'll say, but it, it's not just that. Everything is so, they don't have a low speed. Mm -hmm. They throw it all out there. There's this carnival sense of just way over the top, and it's a blast. And mm -hmm. I have so much fun watching these movies. I can't help but just grin ear to ear or laugh out loud when I'm watching these films. Santos movies, Blue Demon, Milmoscris, any of these films. I mean, <laughs> I don't have enough of them in my DVD collection. I need more, and I, I probably have pretty much everything I can get here in the States, but I need more because they're so much fun. Yes, I agree, and... um and like I said, with this particular movie, it gets funner with re repeated viewings. And I had, you know, I had a blast uh, uh, putting together the special dub that I did. It's, it's one of those films that can it, it really grows on you as you just when you check out, you check your mind at the door. You try not to worry about uh, you know, it making any sense. And you you enjoy the goofiness of it. Tried to do some research and find out, you know, what the production were they taking this seriously? Were they doing this on a camp? It was made around the same time Batman, you know, the Batman TV series, the campy Batman series was out. And I was thinking, no, they they had their tongue in cheek on this one because it's just so ridiculous. It's for it's like for kids, but it's so much fun, and I can just imagine. A theater full of Mexican kids just screaming and yelling and having a blast at this movie. <laughs> Listeners, if you ever get a chance to see this movie or any of these movies in a crowd, at a theater, uh, at a Monster Bash, anything like that, you got to go. Because just having that group of like-minded fans around you as you're watching something like this, it just elevates the entire experience, I think. Now, before you got into these movies, uh, the Luchador films, were you a fan of wrestling at all, or was this just something that came with the films? I was a wrestling fan. Actually, I was. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, near where you're at, um, in Eugene, Oregon, and I was a fan oh, wow. of the, uh, uh, the Northwest wrestling, and that was during the time when uh, Jesse Ventura was getting started. Some of the big stars during that time were Dutch Savage, uh, Bull Ramos, uh, the Iron Sheik came out during that time. And, and the Pacific Northwest was kind of like a, 
the starting ground and some of the big wrestlers that came out, you know, were big in the 80s and 90s started in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. And I was a big fan then. My dad took me to see the, the wrestling in uh, Eugene, Oregon at the Lane County Fairgrounds. When I moved to Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh area, I kind of lost my interest in it because I went to a wrestling match there in the Civic Arena, the, the hockey arena, big, big match. And um, I could just see at that time that this isn't real. <laughs> at the, when I was a kid, I thought, this is real. You know, this is really real. Sure. And I, in fact, the, the, in Portland, they would play the wrestling live. Yeah. It, would, it, was a li- it was live on TV. And one time, I remember one of the wrestlers, they threw the wrestler against the rope. The rope broke and he fell and he, he was knocked out. And that was real. You know, so it's like, yeah, this is real. And uh, when I went to see it in, in Pittsburgh, I, I, we were sitting on the top and I could see that they were not hitting each other. So it was like it kind of lost my interest in it for a long time. And then, you know, uh, with the, the Luchador movies now, it's just like, well, that's what is amazing to me is how there's many, not, you know, not maybe millions or thousands, but there's many people that I've met in the monster kid world that just love these, these Luchador movies and being living in Mexico and everything, it's like, you know, hey, I, I can, I, I should look this up. I should uh, get interested in this and be a part of that fandom. You know, there's a guy in Pittsburgh, Bob Cotter, who he doesn't even speak a, a lick of Spanish, but he just loves these movies. He did a book on them. He does a, a fanzine on them. It's like, I can't believe how much a, a person can love these movies. The thing with, with me, in Mexico, they're forgotten. You don't find them. They're not easy to find. And there's been times when they come out, and I've bought several of them, and when they come out in the supermarket, I sent my sister-in-law. She lives in Mexico City. I sent her. I said, uh, can you – she was going to come visit us. I said, can you go and get, get some Santos stuff? I want to have some Santos stuff to take to Monster Bash to give away to some friends and things. And she would go into these stores where they have posters and things, and she'd ask, and they'd laugh at her because they were – it's just – it's past. There isn't like monster kiddom in Mexico. And so I've become a monster, a luchador fan just through the Monster Bash and through dressing up like Santo <laughs> and having fun with it. So that's why I, why I like it and why this particular movie, um, like I said, dubbing it, I fell in love with it. And I've watched a handful of others as, you know, when I see them, I try to pick them up. Sometimes they sell them here, like you, you find them uh, stores or in, on the internet for 20 bucks a pop, but here sometimes they'll sell them for $4. <laughs> oh, wow. So I pick those up fast and, um, and uh, try to watch them and just have a blast with them. Like I said, I don't speak Spanish. I get a couple of Spanish language channels here where I'm at, and I'll watch the Luchador, you know, the Lucha Libre shows. I don't know what the heck they're saying. But, mm-hmm. you know, you get a couple of guys on a mask, throw them in a ring, and they just go at it. It's a, I know it's not real. I mean, we all know that at this point. We're, we're adults. But, you know, there's still a spectacle to it that I love. And I love that so much of it translates so well to these movies. This movie, what, it came out, what, 1967? We were talking about how it came out around the same time that Batman TV show? Mm-hmm. That's correct. It's not just me. There's a lot of Plan 9 from outer space on this, right? Yes. Okay. I think at first, when I was looking at it, I, you know, I looked back even further. It kind of has the same plot line as Day the Earth Stood Still. You know, hey, you guys, they came here. Here's the thing. Well, they're coming here telling us, you better behave or we're going to destroy you. You know, you better love each other. Basically say, hey, you better love each other and be nice to each other or we're going to have to come and annihilate you is basically what the goal was. 
And then there was also kind of a this island Earth thing. Well, let's uh, we need to get some of these people and take them back to Mars and study them and see if we can make a better Martian. And so they're like kidnapping all these people <laughs> in Mexico, a priest and a science fiction writer and a typical family. And of course, they'd have to get the Santa, you know, as... And basically, you know, it's kind of like Plan 9. I think Plan 9 had the same ideas. But to me, this was no plan from outer space because they, <laughs> <laughs> that guy kept changing what they were going to do and how they are going to do it so many times. And they had this powerful weapon, this super powerful weapon to be able to just disintegrate, you know, thousands of people at a time. And it's like, uh, we're not going to use that. We need to hide. We need to make them not so afraid of us. So what's the deal here? <laughs> so it was kind of no plan from outer space in the end. And I think the main plan was, as script writers, is let's find a way to get these Martians in the ring with Santo. And that was the main plan of the movie. <laughs> but, the, but those Martians had no plan at all. <laughs> I like that. No plan from outer space. I like that. Oh, wow. I want to use that in something. I don't know what, but that sounds like a perfect title for something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was fun as I was studying this film and going through it and just seeing how crazy it was and how the, you know how it would just switch back and forth instead of uh, ripping on it and saying, well, this is really crappy. No, this is really funny. This is just ridiculous, so ridiculous. It's laughable, but, but you feel like it's laughing at itself too because it, it, there's just no possible way they had any serious intention with this film. But at the same time, it has its message. You know, you know at the end, for example... Are we doing spoilers here? <laughs> but I don't think this is too much a spoiler because, no, it's it, you know, you know that Santa's going to win. But in the end, he's, the professor's like, let's save the spaceship, you know, so that we can find out the technology. And it's like, that's exactly why I'm going to let it get destroyed. We don't need all that technology. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's all kinds of, there's like little messages in it. It's fun. It's got, you know, it's even got its religion in there. You know, the priests in there, they're praying and stuff. So... It's got everything about Mexican culture in it, and it, it's a lot of fun for that reason. I fell in love with it because of of all the craziness of all the things. And then, of course, the girls, the pretty Martian girls, and how they <laughs> are involved in this no plan from outer space. It's a blast. I just chuckle because the production value, the production design of some of the stuff, somebody were to look at this without really kind of knowing, I think that might be where they get hung up first is with the the model for the spaceship. <laughs> and then the way they do the third eye on the Martians. I mean, just, it's so low, but it doesn't matter though. I mean, it's just a wonderful train wreck of a film, but it's just a blast. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here chatting with Ken. I've got it playing on my Kindle right now with the sound off just because, I mean, you can't help but have something like this going in the background and just smile, you know? This stuff is just a blast. Do we want to talk a little bit about the story, the plot? I mean, it's not too deep. Because they do keep changing channels quite a bit or changing <laughs> their plan, their no plan over and over and over again. But it's basically what Ken said. You know, the Martians are like, Earth is too violent. We're going to go threaten them until they stop. And similar to a day the Earth stood still, it just starts. You know, the Martians are here and they're coming up and they're on TV. Okay. They interrupt the TV and they give their plan. You know what? You guys better behave or we're going to destroy you. And the funny thing is no one takes it seriously. They're all laughing. <laughs> You know? There's that drunk in the bar is like, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's right. You know, yeah. You know, and then, you know, the Martian uh, sub commander comes up to the general and says, you know what? They're, they just think we're a comedy skit <laughs> you know, on TV. 
<laughs> and so he's like, well, they're going to take us seriously after we go to this sporting event and show them the power of our astral eye, you know. <laughs> so they go and and they did something. If you if they would if we do it in modern times, you know, there'd be ray beams and skeletons and bones exploding, but people just disappeared. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, but it, when you think about it, that's very tragic. It's horrible. There's that one shot where they have like the four kids. There's just four kids. They're just standing there, you know. And, it's and like posing, they're posing basically. for a picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they just disappear. Yeah. It's like they just killed four kids. You know, these Martians are terrible. You know, but of course, uh, Santo, he's, he's able to avoid that beam and uh, gets in a big fight. And, um, and again, there's a lot of wrestling in this movie. There's not a lot of story, but there's a lot of wrestling. <laughs> and, and if you like wrestling, and, it, and it's good wrestling. I mean, that's one of the things about Mexican wrestling. It's like their movies. They go over the top. It's not perhaps as dramatic, you know, with the stories that they bring to it as far as, uh, but what they do, jumping and the crazy moves they do. And the, there's no OSHA rules in Mexico as far as their wrestling concerned because it, it's dangerous. <laughs> it looks dangerous what they're doing. You know, it's planned. You know, it's not a hundred, you know, it's not real, but at the same time, it is dangerous. And oh, it's um, athletic. And you, man. It's, mm-hmm. you can see that here in this movie too. But anyways, the Martians are like, you know, we're going to do this thing. We want to get these people straightened out or we're going to destroy them. But we need this Santo guy because he's really strong. And we need this professor guy because he's real smart. And why they need a typical family, why they need a science fiction writer, uh, why they need a, a priest, I don't know. But they also go about kidnapping all these people. And Santo's always uh, one step ahead of them. And... um he eventually wins out. <laughs> That's basically the story. Within that, a lot of wrestling and a lot of fun. And one of my favorite parts, of course, is the uh, Martian girl dance, which is... <laughs> <laughs> I know you like soundtracks. I'd like to get that one. Oh, that man. <laughs> I wish there were film scores available for all of these movies because the music, just like everything else, is so over the top. Mm-hmm. I love it. I would love to get these on a CD or, or an LP. I don't care. An eight track, give it to me. I want the music. It's so over the top and fun and goofy. But I got a kick out of that too, that scene because you know the the professor has been spending the whole movie studying these these little gadgets. They stole one of those little uh, gadgets that makes people disappear and make they can teleport with. And he has that thing, and he's been studying it. And then he goes to this dinner, and these Martian girls they take over the show. They knock out the real show girls, and they come in and they do their show wearing their uh, Martian apparatus, and he's just there enjoying their other attributes and obviously not noticing <laughs> that that they have their Martian belts on, and they e- they easily kidnap him. But I just got a kick out of the dance. You know, it's like these Martian <laughs> girls; they don't have to be dancing like that to do what they need to do. Right? But they had some fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I enjoyed. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But. Another thing that I saw about this movie, Derek, and this is kind of a little bit on a serious note, after watching it 30 times, I think I went kind of crazy. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Because I, I, I almost felt like there was, like, it was almost, I started getting a sense of like a prophetic vision. Now, this movie was made in 1967. Right. I'm watching it for the first time, what, 2011, 2012. About the same time that I'm watching this, it was just shortly before this, was the the big uh, bombing attack in Boston at the Boston Marathon. And something when I'm watching it again and I'm seeing this terrorist attack 
during a sporting event, it's kind of something clicked in me. It's like, wow, you know, that's kind of just like kind of what happened in Boston. You know, something really terrible happened. Hmm. But here, this thing is happening. And, and if you really think about it, what those Martians did at that sporting event was terrible. I mean, they just eliminated hundreds and hundreds of people like that. And basically, they had the same goal as our modern day terrorists have. You guys got to behave. You have to live like we want you to live or we're going to destroy you. I just made it like several connections. And then there's a scene. They've kidnapped all these people. They're in the Martian spaceship and they decide to, you know what? It's better to die than go to Mars. So they're going to mount an attack. And they just, they figured out that one of the big obvious, I want to say it in Spanish, you know, knobs or bars will destroy the ship. And they decide to do a suicide attack to stop those Martians. And that just reminded me of uh, Flight 93. In fact, when they are going to do their attack, they, they say in Spanish, they go, vamonos, which, you know, means let's go. But I dubbed it. I said, let's roll. Because it reminded me of that, of that event. So, and then another thing about that, this part of it, it was funny how it's like, okay, this terrible thing has happened, but you know what's going to be worse if there's panic. So let's keep on living and forget, you know, okay, these Martians are here. They're threatening us. They have a lot of power, but who cares? We're going to do a wrestling match anyways. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah. it, it just and it reminded me of the things that we're seeing today. And, you know, we, we have this, these horrible events happening but at the same time, it's like, well, it's in another you know, part of the world and um, you know, we're still going to watch our monster movies. We're still going to do our, our Monster Kid radio. We're still going to have fun with life because they want us to be panicked. They want us to be afraid. When you look at it in a different light and when you watch it 30 times, that's what happened to me. <laughs> I started seeing it almost in a serious way where it's kind of like a prophetic look of how we're dealing with our modern-day terrorists, because basically these Martians were inept terrorists. You know, it's like, we have this big plan. We have all this power. They, they couldn't do anything with it, and they ended up being basically inept, and, um, you know, with their puny powers, they could not beat El Santo, a simple Mexican wrestler. So, And I feel like the same kind of thing happens with what we're seeing today, with the terrorists that we're dealing with, it's a, you know, they, they, they do horrible things. They have, it seems like they have a lot of power. They're trying to frighten us, but the world's kind of like, well, we're just going to keep on living because you want us to change. We're not going to change. We're going to keep on going to wrestling matches, watching monster movies and having a good time with life. <laughs> you know, even if you go back to nine 11, one of the first, big live sporting events that happened after 9-11, because they shut a lot of stuff down, obviously. But one of the mm -hmm. first big live sporting events that happened right after 9-11 was a WWE event. Yeah. So, you know, to, to <laughs> even add a little extra level of prophecy to it, I suppose, or, or uh, yes, I don't know. And it was the strange thing that happened to me while I watched this movie so many times that, that I got to that point where it was like, you know, this movie has, you know, has some, you know, like almost a prophetic look at what's happening today, you know, made what, 30, 40 years ago, and it has a, a relevance, in the, especially the way people react to this kind of thing. It's like the government or the politicians, the thinkers are like, if we tell everyone what's going on, there's going to be a panic. Everyone's and it's going to be worse. You know, and that's kind of the way they handle things now. It's like, well, if we get too deep in this, everyone's going to stop and, the, you know, it's going to make it worse. And that's what they want to, us, want to happen frustrating for the martians it's frustrating for the terrorists that we keep on living and enjoying life despite what they're trying to do which is 
The only, the only thing that's not prophetic and the sad thing is that we don't have a way to have a Santo come in and then just finish those guys off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want a team of like luchador special forces just to go. <laughs> you know, I would just tell the, you know, the listeners out there, you know, seek this movie out because if people are like, well, what's the best? And I always I always ask. I asked the Blue Demon. Uh, junior i had a chance to spend time with him uh last year at the monster bash and i asked him what movie would you recommend i'm always looking like what's the best one what's the one that you would to me the ones of all the ones i've seen uh, you know i would recommend this movie for the listeners out there if you're like i want to get into this or i want to at least see what it's like um this is a good fun one to, to start with wow okay i mean there's a lot there's a lot of them out there mm -hmm. but to me Especially since this one is Santo by himself, and it doesn't have all the, you know, it doesn't have other a whole team of wrestlers. As far as good guy wrestlers, it just shows him as a hero, and it shows a lot of different aspects of the Mexican culture. And it's got attractive ladies in it, and it's a lot of fun. I really like this as a good example of a, a luchador movie. Did Santo do a lot of team-up movies? I, I, I seem to think like Mil Moscris did a handful in Blue Demon. I guess Santo and Blue Demon did a couple together, didn't they? In the late 60s, early 70s, they started doing uh, the team-up movies with them together. His earlier films, like in the 60, 50s and 60s that he did, yeah, he was by himself, or there would be another wrestler, but they weren't called, you know, Santo and and this or Santo and that. It was a Santo versus okay. the, the vampires. And then Blue Demon did some solo movies and Santo did some solo movies. And then they joined together. And after that, like there was other wrestlers that came out. There was other wrestling movies that came out. When I was uh, in Mexico in the early 90s, the big ones were Atlantis and Octagon were the big uh, Mexican wrestlers. And they did a movie, you know, as a team. Mm, and, okay. uh, most of the ones that came out later on were, were team-up movies because, you know, the, the tag team and being a team is part of the wrestling culture as well. Sure, sure. You know, you said there weren't any other wrestlers in the title or focuses in this film, and Santo is the lone luchador hero, but there is another luchador in this movie playing one of the villains who had done, were there four Neutron films? Mm -hmm. a yes, wolf. Uh, wolf. This is not a Spanish name, so right. if I butcher it... <laughs> Rubenskis. Actually, he was in one of the first Luchador movies, and he was actually a Latvian. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, if you look over the cast here, I was looking over the cast, there, there's a lot of non-Mexicans in this movie. Like all the girls, the main girl, Aphrodite, Mara Monte, she was actually born in Italy. The blonde girl, Eva Norvind, she was from Norway. <laughs> she had a wild life. She ended up being like this... Uh, dominatrix, you know, the biggest dominatrix in the United States. And, um, <laughs> wow. And I, I was looking at Belinda Correll and Gilda Miros, the other two girls, and they, the Gilda's from Puerto Rico. I think Belinda was the only actual Mexican uh, among the girls. And then all the wrestlers, you know, like Ham Lee, he's obviously not from Mexico. And another one is just called El Nazi. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if you knew anything about that guy, because that's a uh Kind of an unfortunate name, um, yeah. <laughs> at least from our American. He, he was obviously a Rudo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, and like I said, I'm not super, super into the whole, like an expert, like you need to get Juan Ortiz on there to, to really get you information. Mm -hmm. I'm just like an expert on this particular movie because of, of the dub that I did. And 
what I was thinking about doing, if anyone's interested, if they write to you and ask, I'd be willing to get out some uh, copies of that dub. It's not for someone who's like, oh, I want to know exactly how the movie was because I did cut the movie because uh, for the Monster Bash, I, I shortened it up a little bit because they're always behind schedule there. So I thought there's so much wrestling in this movie. I did a little bit of cutting there. I changed all the names and the places. So it kind of relates to Pittsburgh and Monster Bashers. So all the wrestlers and all this, all the people have uh, names of different Monster Bashers. I did some fixes. Like one of the funny things about this movie, one of the favorite, my favorite things about it is every time they do that teleportation, there's that sound effect. <laughs> Well, in the original, they they stopped doing it in the middle of the movie. They just didn't. They stopped using the sound effect. Why did they do that? That's one of my favorite parts. So when I did my dub, I went in and fixed that. And all of the times I do the teleportation, I put that sound effect. And then I thought that sound effect kind of reminds me of uh, Wayne's World. You know, whenever they see a pretty girl, they'd go swing. I thought when well, I put that little sound effect whenever they were doing their little <laughs> hypnotic thing. <laughs> I'd go that, you know, so, so I did just like little funny stuff like that. And then there's, there's a couple shots in the movie. For example, this little boy, he's drinking a soda. He drinks that thing all down. He puts it down and then he opens his mouth. Well, nothing comes out in the original version. Well, he's obviously letting out a big burp. So I went in and added a burp. And then there's another time after uh, Santo sees the Martians give their message. It's like he turns his head and he puts his hand to his mouth and he's either coughing or clearing his throat. Well, there's no sound on the original version, but I added a little bit of a throat clearing in there just to give it some authenticity. <laughs> so if you want to see the movie with a English dub, I, I did most of the voices. I had Ron Adams and some other monster bashes. His wife and daughter uh, did the girls' voices, and, um, and I did most of the other voices. I did some modulation and stuff. It, it's just a fun way to see the movie so you don't have to be reading it. At the same time, you know it's because it, it is pretty accurate. It's about what they're saying, the plot of the movie, what's actually being said for the most part is accurate. And I was very careful to, when I did the dub, to uh, translate it. If I didn't understand something, I'd bring it to my wife, who is a Mexican. I said, well, what are they saying here? I want to make sure I get this right. I did take care of about 95% of what they're saying is accurate. And then I added some stuff or to change some stuff. Like I said, with the uh, scene when they're going to fight against the Martians, you know, instead of saying, let's go, I put, let's roll. Just, you know, sure. fun stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm willing to uh, make more copies of that if anyone is uh, out there in the Monster Kid Radio audience. And you get the, the information to me and I'll, uh, I'll gladly get out a copy uh, for the people out there. I love sharing it with people. I've been to Monster Bash once, and I think that was a year that you were not there. Is that right? That is correct. So, I missed your, yeah. your presence there, and I I was extremely bummed out. I had you know some personal issues. I wasn't able to go. I was My plan has been to go since 2010, go every year. And um, that one year that you went, um, I had some issues I was not able to, but because uh, I do want to meet you someday. <laughs> oh, I'll get back out there someday. I, I, I don't, it's not going to happen this year, but uh, I, I need to get back out there to bash. Need to. How did it go over when you showed your dubbed version? You know, I was always kind of nervous, like, will they understand it? Is it going to sound all right? You know, I had a lot of technical issues. Uh, I know a lot of technical stuff. I worked in television 
for a number of years, but uh, it was just, I was like, I hope it sounds good and everything, and it went over well. People were laughing when they needed to laugh, and they had a good time, and they give out tacos, and a lot of times people will get the tacos, eat their taco, and leave during the Mexican night, but they pretty much stayed through the movie, and um, so it was a full crowd, and they're laughing, and it, and I think it went over well, and I had made copies because I had, you know, a lot of the different bashers uh, were, you know, I mentioned like uh, the professor, there's a basher. He he's, plays a guitar for the bash band. He's a professor. He's a teacher. So I made it Professor Slick. So I gave him a copy. And then we have a, there's a priest that comes to the Monster Bash. He's a huge Bela Lugosi fan. He does a mass at the Monster Bash. So there's a priest, of course, in the movie. And so I called the priest in the movie Father Mike. And I gave him a copy. So it was just it was just a joy to share the joy of this movie with the people. And uh, and I did a thing for the B movie cast when they were on hiatus. Last year, I was giving out the movies for a contest, and people really enjoy it. Yeah, I remember that. I, I still have uh, a couple of things that you sent me during that time because I ended up winning one of those giveaways, which was great. I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting it, but thank you. I, I have my El Santo picture up at my desk at work, so <laughs> I have to explain it <laughs> to people who walk by. Mexico City. My wife got those for me. When I, <laughs> she goes to Mexico City. Uh, she's been going with my daughter in the summertime, and she's going to go again this year. And um my sister-in-law found the Blue Demon store, so I'm going to be getting some Blue Demon stuff this year. <laughs> the Blue Demon store? There's a whole store? Yes. yes, he has a whole store down there. Oh, wow. But I've got to tell you about this, you know, changing the subject a little bit, going over, I mean, still with the Luchadores, and this is something that's making me more of a fan, was my uh, encounter with Blue Demon Jr. this uh, last year at the uh, October Monster Bash. I have to know about this. That was one of the things that I regretted not being able to do is is meet Blue Demon Jr. I was like pondering whether I was going to go to the October Bash or not. Um, I missed the Summer Bash um, that year, and I was like, am I going to do this October one? And then when Ron announced that Blue Demon Jr. was going to be there, I was like, well, I've got to go. You know, I've got to meet this guy. And thinking, well, I'm probably only one of the few monster kids, along with Juan Ortiz, that goes to the Monster Bash that is bilingual. So I should be able to help with this. And Ron did ask me, uh, can you help and kind of uh, be his escort. And I was like, yeah, I'll miss the bash. I'll miss the show. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll be happy to, to hang out with the Blue Demon and his wife at the show because they do not speak a lot of English. Uh, the first day they were going to pick them up, Ron had one of his uh, friends go pick him up, a really nice guy named Dan Weber. He's like this really tall guy of a big long beard. He kind of looks like one of the Duck Dynasty guys. He says, hey, can you come with me? I don't speak any Spanish. I said, yeah, I'll go with you. So we go to the airport and um, and Juan Ortiz was, had arrived and he was there already. And so we're there debating. Is he going to be with mask or without a mask? Oh, with okay. Mask or without a mask when he comes off the airplane. And so we're waiting down at, by the uh, baggage claim and Dan comes over and he says, I found him. And here he was. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone, Derek. He was without his mask. Oh, wow. And both Juan and I were just like amazed. Like we felt very, very privileged from that moment. And there's like a tendency like, you know, get out the cell phone and take pictures. Like, no, you have to respect the mask, respect the man. And he was basically showing himself to us and putting his trust in us. And from that moment on, and, and just the, the ride back to the hotel and meeting him and his wife, 
they were just the most down to earth, nicest people that I've ever met. And when we got to the hotel, so before you park, he would put on his mask. And so Juan and I were the only people in that whole monster bash that got to see him without his mask. Probably never gone without his mask openly like that. Like someone would know that he's a blue demon in Mexico. It was like, wow, what a privilege, what an honor. Well, so at the bash, you know, he set up his table and people were coming and I was helping translate every once in a while. And I was talking with his wife because she speaks no English at all. And like I said, just very nice people and just wanting to talk, asking questions. This is the nicest people in the world. And when they were done with their signing time, they didn't have anything to do in the evening. And I have a friend that lives close to, the, to where the Monster Bash Hotel was. And I asked uh, Blue Demon and his wife, would you guys want to go see Pittsburgh at all? And so they said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So I brought my friend over and we took a drive. We went up to a hill where he can look down on the city. And we just had a good time together as, you know, and just getting to know each other. And they were very friendly with my friend. And we had a great evening. And they took us out to dinner. Then the next day, this is when it got really crazy. The Monster Bash in October was very slow. And there wasn't a lot of people on Sunday. So everyone was kind of basically all the stars, uh, the uh, Rod Serling's daughter was there. Uh, Marilyn Munster was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girl from Mars Attacks was there. They, they they started leaving early because no one was there. It was very slow on Sundays. Blue Demon packed up his stuff, and there was a Steelers game going on. He's like, I want to go see the Steelers. It's like it was thirty degrees out, and his wife was complaining about being cold inside the hotel. I was like, you guys are gonna freeze your buns off, you know? <laughs> but if you you know, he's like, but I want to go to the Steelers game. I said, well, it's already started. You're not gonna be able to get in. It's always sold out. Whatever. I was kind of like fighting against it a little bit in my mind, but it's like he insisted. He says, I'm going to call the taxi. He was really into using that Uber taxi thing. He <laughs> called them up, and this guy came over, and he had his mask on. We got inside the car, and we're driving off to Pittsburgh in this in a Uber taxi to try to go see the Steelers game. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm telling this guy, I'm telling this this uber taxi driver you know about you know who this guy was you know this guy in the mask and his wife goes oh kenny you know he took his mask off i was like oh so i'm like i'm gonna be all day with blue demon jr without a mask again just the privilege and honor that was was incredible to me so we get down to downtown pittsburgh we get to the stadium it's closed they will not let us in even you know it was like the almost the fourth quarter they would not let us into the uh, stadium. I was like, well, okay, what do you want to do? Oh, can we go see this uh, museum, the Andy Warhol Museum? I said, sure. <laughs> Is it open? I said, I know where to. I went, let's walk. So we go and we walk to the Andy Warhol Museum. They're a couple that love to explore, and I'm the same way. So we went into the Andy Warhol Museum. It was only an hour before it was going to close, but we went to the top and went through the whole Andy Warhol Museum. There was like this thing where he could do videos, and he put his mask on, and he was making this video, like this self-portrait thing that Andy Warhol did in his time. They have a way you could do it there. And we just we went through the whole Andy Warhol Museum. And then we got out, and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to go back to the hotel. Oh, let's go downtown. There was a bridge. We crossed the bridge. We go downtown. We go to an Indian restaurant to eat. And I'm there sitting with Blue Demon and his wife. Like I said, very nice people, very open. And at one point, you know, it just really startled me. He just really opened up to me and said, you know, sometimes I feel bummed out because all of my accomplishments, it's with the mask on. No one really knows me without the mask. Wow. The, the honor and the privilege to be able to, you know, have someone 
of that stature where I'm from in Mexico, I live in Mexico, to share something so uh, intimate with me was like, I could hardly believe it. And I, I really didn't know what to say at the time. But later I wrote him a letter when I saw how his daughters love him and how his family, he's given a good life for his family. I said, that is the most important thing. And they know you without the mask. And that's the most important thing. You know, I was able to encourage him with that. Anyways, we just kept on and he said, let's keep on going. He, and we walked I calculated probably around three miles all over Pittsburgh, downtown Pittsburgh. We went to the point where there's a big fountain. We took pictures down there. He called up the Uber taxi again. We went back, and that was my weekend with Blue Demon Jr. Fantastic. Wow. It was not good for Ron and the Monster Bash, <laughs> but wow, for me and the time I had, it was something else. And the, the, Another funny thing about it was that how open he was about sharing you know, how him and Santo Jr., do not get along, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> even though it's, you know, you think is it is this for real? You know, is they, or is this is he just playing with this rivalry thing? But the, you know, he was like ripping on Santo Junior and saying, you know, because I was like, I'm big Santo fan. I'm wearing my Santo shirt. I have my Santo mask. But after that weekend with Blue Demon, he made me into a Blue Demon fan. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a short little documentary about Lucha Libre down there, and there was an animosity between the two. Mm-hmm. That, that I was able to pick up on that I guess they've, they've challenged each other to mask versus mask matches and they just won't do it or whatever. But yeah, I had heard that there was a little bit of an animosity between the two. But, uh, I mean, Blue Demon Jr., he did Lucha Underground appear in the States last year and I got mm-hmm. a chance to see him on American TV. I mean, how cool is that to see him mm-hmm. in the ring doing his thing on American television? Yeah. I mean, so many people here got to see that, which is amazing to me to think about. Well, here's something I recommend looking up, too. Um, if you look up Blue Demon Jr., and then he did uh, Mexico's version of Dancing with the Stars. What? Seriously? <laughs> yes. Did he do it with the mask? Yes, he had the mask on. It's right there on YouTube. I'll get you the links and get those over to you. But you can look it up, and it, there's one point in that show where he's like, I'm going to take the mask off. I'm going to take the mask off. Because one of the judges was like, it's hard for us to judge you. We can't really tell your facial expression. You know, it's, it's going to be hard for you to win because we don't see any expression in you. And so he's like, well, you know, okay, well, uh, I'll do it without the mask. And he's like, he's going to take the mask off. He's going to take the mask off. And he did, of course, the famous trick that we even see in this movie, Santo versus the Martian Invasion. Santo did this, you know. <laughs> he took the mask off. And what did he have under the mask? another mask (laughs) and he said you know i'm never going to betray the mask you know it's always going to be on no one's going to ever know who i really am and when you see that when i saw that and realized how open and he he was with me personally just to spend a whole evening without the mask knowing that i'm living in mexico with a mexican family and everything else it was just wow what an honor what a privilege and uh, at no point did I ever take out my camera and think, oh, I can get a picture of him. Oh, I'm going to share it. No, it was just like respect the mask and respect this privilege he's given me. And it was something else. But you guys got to see that, too. So you want to see something else. Blue Demon Jr. dancing with the stars. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> that's awesome. You know, he has really kept his father's legacy going where even though he's getting up there, he's almost 50 years old now. And so his wrestling days are probably pretty close to being over. 
as far as Ashley wrestling, but he wants to keep the, the brand out there. He wants to keep that legacy going. And both him and the uh, son of Santo are doing that to some extent so that uh, their father's legacy, the image of Blue Demon, the image of Santo uh, continues on for the next generation. You know, and apparently they're looking for another person to be Blue Demon, uh, this Junior the Second or Blue Demon the Second or mm. whatever they would call him. But um, he doesn't have any sons. He uh, only has daughters. But um, his wife, very nice lady, she's the daughter of another wrestler who was a, uh, one of uh, Blue Demon's tag team partners. Oh, really? Uh, wow. So, they're, so she loves the wrestling, too, and she's with him. It's one of those couples, too. It's just like they love each other, and it was just a joy to be with them together. Did you? And here I am. I'm, I'm sorry. I want to live vicariously through through you, Ken, because that just sounds like an amazing experience. Did you get a chance to talk about movies with him at all, or or any of the films that his father did, or was it just put that aside and it was just you and him and his wife? No, we we did. I you know I asked him what movie would you recommend if you were to say which movie, and the name is going to escape me right now, but it was you know it was a Blue Demon Santo movie, uh, Blue Demon and a Santo. And I'm, I'm I think about the the Muertos Vivientes versus the Living Dead, and I watched it, and it was cheesy fun, <laughs> just like Santo and the Martian Invasion. And I haven't picked up a lot of the. I want to see some Blue Demon movies that he did by himself, because most of the ones that I've seen or known about are the the team ups with him and Santo. But he did do a handful of ones by himself, and he was very open to talk about his dad and the movies. You know, some of the stuff that I was interested in knowing, he openly gives in this documentary that he did. And I saw before I went, like, the Why Blue Demon. And I, I sent this in as a, a feedback on one of the Monster Kid radios. But, you know, it wasn't actually going to be Blue Demon. It was Blue Diamond. But when you see that with the I in Spanish is actually E. So the guy, when he announced it, said Blue Demon. And it stuck. And that's one of the reasons why I, why I don't want to be a fan of Blue Demon. You know, Demon, ooh, that's, you know, bad. That's ugly, you know. <laughs> but but that's not it at all. He's not a demon. He's just, it was supposed to be Diamond, and it just, it just stuck. You know, so he's not a bad guy. <laughs> and he, we talked about also, you know, are you a Rudo? Are you a Technico? And it's like, I've gone back and forth based on what the people want. I've gone back and forth. And, he, you know, he's been at times, he's been a Rudo, and at times he's been a Technico. He's been a good guy and he's been a bad guy. So he's gone back and forth mm-hmm. there. So it was it was an interesting time. And another thing, you know, you, you learn about him. How does a masked wrestler eat? Well, when, when, we, when we went to eat, he had a special mask. It has, like, the bottom of the jaw cut out. And he, mm, had, he okay. was so expert. Like, he would bend over and he would pull the new mask on while taking the other one off. You'd, you'd not see one piece of his skin, but then you would be able to see his chin, and he would be able to eat, and he would do that. Here's an interesting thing about Blue Demon Jr. He's actually not the biological son of Blue Demon. He's actually the grandson of right. uh, Chano Urieta, who is the director, producer, director, who really started the uh, wrestling movie movement his daughter had uh, blue demon jr and um she was not married it was i don't know the, all the circumstances but he said would you want to adopt him and he was actually an adopted son which touched me because our daughter my wife and i's daughter is adopted as well 
So we had a really interesting talk about that and how that affected his life. And Blue Demon did have does have a real son, and they kind of have a rivalry there too because he didn't become a wrestler, but he kind of wants to be managing things. But Blue Demon gave his blessing to Blue Demon Jr., the adopted son, because he went into wrestling. So yeah, we we, we talked about all those different things, and he was very open. We did, they had a question and answer time, and um, he was very open to talk about the movies and things. And he was actually in, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm sorry, I'm not going to remember the movie. I'll try to get it to you to. Uh, look it up and get it to you but he was actually in as a little boy in one of the blue demon movies yeah in this documentary i saw i saw oh, really? a clip of him in there when he was a little boy so that was kind of cool I, I think there is at least one of the blue demon films where he does have a son in the film mm-hmm. or an adopted son in the film the character has an adopted son in the film i can't remember which one it was off that the top 90, of my head so that's blue interesting demon to hear <laughs> that, that that was kind of mirrored yeah, it was kind of mirrored in real life. That's interesting. Did Blue Demon Jr. ever talk about whether or not he wanted to do movies? He had done. He has done a movie, but it was just like a brief part in a Mill Mascaris movie. He's done a couple right, TV okay. shows, but we didn't really, you know, it's just not a thing. Like I said, in Mexico, the wrestling's still here. They have wrestling every day. They put them on. They have like a wide, wide world of sports show, and they put wrestling highlights as if it was a real sport uh, every week. But there are no Mexican wrestling movies coming out. So I don't know if he would still want to do them or not. We didn't really talk about his future with that as much. But I think he'd be willing to. And I've seen some TV clips where he has done some TV spots. You know, And if he's willing to do Dancing with the Stars, if someone really wanted to make a wrestling movie, he'd probably do it. Sure. No, yeah, I, I do remember him being at the very end of one of the Mill Massacres films where they all kind of come in and do. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of different wrestlers that turn up at the end for little cameo bits here and there, which is great. Just to see them fighting a bunch of mummies. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. That's just to spend the weekend with Blue Demon Jr. That's amazing. Yes. Just, oh, I'm so jealous, sir. <laughs> yeah, and it was just something else for me is uh, to think that, you know, whenever you meet some kind of a celebrity, And again, in Pittsburgh, no one knew him from Adam. You know, a handful of people knew who he was and, you know, the fans come to see him. But if the same thing here in Mexico, I mean, he, you know, everywhere he goes, there's just people everywhere wanting to see him. And and so for me, being from and living in Mexico and having that opportunity is like it's a once in a lifetime thing that I'll never forget. And at the same time, you think, well, this, you know, he's going to be kind of a nose in the air and not care about you. He loves his fans, and he saw me as a person, a Santo fan, who needed to be converted to a Blue Demon fan, and he converted me. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and he converted me. Both with his, his uh, attention and love towards me, plus him ripping on Santo Jr. quite a bit. <laughs> but it was so I think the big question then is, do you have any Blue Demon t-shirts now? Because he said oh, you were wearing yeah, a Santo I, t-shirt. I, okay, I, good. Really cool okay. one. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool stuff, and I picked up a cool one. And then he put out this watch, and my I sent my sister-in-law to, to get me one, uh, a really nice watch that he put out. And my sister-in-law got it, and my wife's going to go pick it up in July, and I'm going to have a Blue Demon watch. So I'm really waiting for that. <laughs> So yeah, he he made a fan out of me, and I'm I'm watching. I'm hoping that someday he'll come to our town here or to a nearby uh, bigger city that's nearby to us, um, our border town. So uh, hoping that he'll come. And my my sister in law actually went to the store, his store, 
when he was there. I said, hey, you got to go and see him and tell him you, you're my sister-in-law and he'll remember me. I know he will, you know. So she went to see him in Mexico City and she said, oh, do you, do you remember Ken? He was the one that took you around. And said, oh, yeah, yeah. You know. And they were talking about the, the time we had. But, you know, she was there with hundreds of other people who wanted to see him. <laughs> so, so it wasn't a long visit, but it was nice that she was able to meet Lou Demon and uh, remind him of me. <laughs> <laughs> so how, you've been in touch with him a couple of times since then. You said you sent I him a did, letter. We did some Facebooking a little bit, you know, and I'll put it in the comments and he puts a little smiling face. And um, my, my hope is someday uh, we, I have some uh, friends here in, in uh, the town we are that if they ever wanted to do a benefit and, and do a wrestling, you know, do a wrestling match as a benefit for uh, a little clinic that I've worked with and things like that, that, um, you know, I'd like to try to get him here to do a benefit because he did uh, mention openness to that kind of thing that he would come and wrestle. You know, I, I asked him that, how do you set up wrestling matches? Cause he was telling me about one time he went to this little town, not too far from where we are here. And there were people, there was a young boy that came up to him and it's like, you're not the real blue demon junior. And he says, well, why do you think that? He says, well, he wouldn't come to our little town. And he says, well, <laughs> You know, you know, you you must you have to be a fake. And he says, "Well, do you know about the scar that Blue Demon has? You know, and he he was he had his mask on, but he had a shirt on. He goes, uh, well, yeah, I do.' He says, "Well, you know, I that I have a scar, a catheter or something he had in his chest.' And he said, "Let me show that to you." And he opened his shirt and showed him the scar. And the boy was like, "You are the real Blue Demon Junior." You know, <laughs> that's how he convinced this little boy in this little dinky Mexican town. And it's like, that's the kind of person he is that he would do, you know, a little benefit wrestling match for a, a small town. They don't need the money. He didn't come to the Monster Bash because they needed the money. He didn't need people to sign things. He, I think he came because he wanted to see another town because they were just exploring and enjoying Pittsburgh and they had a good time. He didn't need to be there, but he likes to meet his fans and make new fans. And he did with me. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so cool. And, you know, I, I've learned that just the one time I went to Monster Bash, the, the people that are involved in those movies, the classic movies, the people that Ron picks to bring to that convention are just so warm and so friendly and will go out of their way to make sure you're having a good time as well. And it just sounds like Blue Demon Jr. just did, took that to the next level with you. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing those stories with us, man. That's, oh, I'm all goosebumpy over here. <laughs> <laughs> How awesome would that have been? Now, if it was me, I wouldn't know what the heck was going on. I, I don't speak Spanish, unfortunately. I wish I did so I can enjoy these movies on a different level. But, man, that's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Fantastic time. And I'm, I've, I've thought, well, if someday uh, Ron brings the son of Santo, I'm going to test him and see if he'll win back my fandom. <laughs> oh, th there you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, when Blue Demon was here, he did this. Oh. When Blue Demon was here, he took me out to dinner. When Blue Demon was here. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if, wow. see if Santo will, will rise up to the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> awesome <laughs> oh man you know we, we started talking about the movie we started talking about Blue Demon Jr uh, we've been talking for a while do we want to make sure that we didn't forget anything about the film I think we pretty much covered it people need to see this one this is one of the go-to's for you with good reason I highly recommend it as well yep. anything else about the film you want to mention or cover first check your mind at the door it's campy fun if you like wrestling, if you like pretty girls, if you like 
wrestling men and just a fun science fiction time, uh, I highly recommend this. And if you're interested at all in the in the Luchador movies, um, this is a must see. And I hope we gave you enough information to want to see it, but not so much that we spoiled it for you because it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of things we didn't talk about <laughs> that I hope people will discover. And like I said, the listeners out there, if you're interested in the, in my Monster Bash dub, send your address to uh, uh, Derek. He can get that to me and I'll get you a copy of that for you. I'd love to share this with people. It's free and you'll have fun with that as well. See the original too. If you're a purist and want to see the you know, uncut original, you see that too. But also, this is available to you for free for all the listeners out there. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. So people get a hold of me, I'll pass that on to Ken. Ken, I got to ask you, you're bilingual. Do you watch these movies in subtitled or, or do you dub them? Or? You know, I'll just watch them and listen to them. And uh, I can understand about 95%. Sometimes there's some things that are said that I'm like, oh... Uh, you know, I have to listen closely or ask my wife, but for the most part, especially the wrestling movies, there's, there's not a whole lot of dialogue. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, we did not do this at the top of the show. I can't let you go without playing around to the classic five, man. Oh, I was looking forward I, to that. I, I, oh man, I, I talked my way out of that, but I don't want to miss no, it. <laughs> no, man. Let me, let me get my deck out here and give it a quick shuffle. Now I don't have any luchador style questions in here yet, so. No problem. You'll see that I'm an all-around monster kid. All right. Here we go. I've been listening. I've, ever since you asked me, I've been listening to these things. I was like, how would I answer that? There you one? go. How would I answer <laughs> Oh, okay. What is your go-to film to introduce someone to classic monster movies? Go-to film. Wow. That's a, that's a good one. For people that want to know who I am and what I'm about as far as my monster kiddom, I would have to say Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. My main thing is Harryhausen. If you like this show and people like this show, I'd like to do a, a Harryhausen film with you someday. Oh, that'd be a blast. I have, I, I have some Harryhausen stories because I had uh, some interesting Harryhausen encounters near the end of his days here on Earth. And um, I'd love to share those with people, too. And um, and maybe like Golden Voyage of Sinbad. I'd love to do that with you someday. But, um, yeah, I'd say Seventh Voyage of Sinbad as an introduction just to this is the kind of monster movie that I like best. Those are my go-tos there. So. This is Dynamation. This is Dynamation. This is Dynamation. This is Dynamation. Dynamation will be brought to the screen for the first time in color with the release of Columbia Pictures' The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Dynamation is a new process which utilizes new technical and scientific advances in electronics and color to open up vast new vistas in motion picture entertainment. Some of this demonstration film is being projected in color, some in black and white. But the feature picture itself is entirely in color. Anything the mind can conceive can now be brought to the screen. As for example, this scene from The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad in which the Princess Parisa, played by Catherine Grant, is reduced to doll size by the magician Sokura. The outflung arm of the sleeping princess actually shrinks before your eyes. This effect was achieved by taking the camera back slowly for 40 feet. To prevent the slightest movement of the arm, Catherine Grant was tied to a stake, remaining motionless and scarcely even breathing. The pillow on which the princess sleeps while the magician is shrinking her was 25 feet high and 40 feet wide. <laughs> 
It occupied one full corner of a soundstage in Madrid, Spain, where most of the picture was filmed. The princess, originally life-size, was reduced by shooting from 70 feet away. Finally, the various components of the sequence were put together in the Technicolor optical printer in London. In Dynamation, producer Charles Schneer and special effects expert Ray Harryhausen have combined animation, normal human action, and trick photo effects in color. Principal actors like Kerwin Matthews, who plays Sinbad, Catherine Grant, Richard Eyre, the genie of the magic lamp, and Torrin Thatcher, the magician, are used in combination with three-dimensional figurines. The process has been years on the drawing boards and in actual testing with color film. In the seventh voyage of Sinbad, you will see the two-headed rock of the Arabian Nights Tales, a bird with the wing spread of a jet airliner. You will see it attack a shipload of sailors and carry Sinbad away in its talons. You will see a fight to a finish between a 50-foot cyclops and a 100-foot dragon. You will see an astonishing sword fight between Sinbad and a skeleton which comes to life at the magician's bidding. Every movement in this sequence was carefully plotted in advance, with precise markings for Sinbad and for insertion of the skeleton. Matthews, playing Sinbad, was coached by Italian Olympic fencing coach Enzo Greco in endless rehearsals, during which the fencing master stood in for the skeleton. Later, the actor had to pantomime his every move without his opponent. Then the skeleton was inserted via dynamation to match the movements of the fencing instructor. The seventh voyage of Sinbad is the eighth wonder of the screen. All right, card number two. Which do you prefer, the Incredible Shrinking Man or the Amazing Colossal Man? Oh, definitely Incredible Shrinking Man. That's one of my favorite uh, 50s. I love all of Jack Arnold's films from that period. Mm -hmm. And um, The Incredible Shrinking Man goes beyond just a simple science fiction film with that ending and the, uh, the philosophical look. Since chills have down my spine just remembering you know, his last words as he's disappearing into infinity, saying, you know, well, you know, it's just as things could be infinitesimally big, something could be infinitesimally small, you know, what, what's, it's just, it's a true classic. The Incredible, incredible Shrinking, shrinking Man. You are getting smaller. There's no medical precedent for what's happening to you. I, I simply know that you're getting smaller. I want you to stop thinking about us, our marriage. Some awful things might happen. As long as you've got this wedding ring on, you've got me. This is Orson Welles speaking. I have 45 seconds to tell you about something I think you'll remember the longest day you live. It's about a man named Scott Carey. A few months ago, he was six feet, two inches tall and weighed 190 pounds. Today, he's two inches tall and you can hold him in the palm of your hand. Now he lives in a world where he must fight for his life, a world where a friendly house cat is a predatory monster. Incredible, because it's almost beyond imagining. Incredible, because every hour he gets smaller and smaller. 
incredible because every moment the terror mounts. The Amazing Colossal Man, fun. You know, Bird Eye Gordon's films, they're cheesy but fun. But Incredible Shrinking Man goes beyond that and, and you know, it has significance beyond just being a fun, good, well-made science fiction movie. True, yeah, it is a, overall a better film. But yeah, Mr. Big's movies are awesome too, though. So we're, I don't think we're... Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying that we don't like those movies, but in terms of, like, um, deeper, more important... I don't know. I agree with you. I'm with you on that one. Mm-hmm. All right, card number three. Oh, favorite Vincent Price film? I'm going to say Abominable Dr. Fives. Okay, good one. Good one. What lovely music for a murder or two or three or nine. Who's this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet a dear friend. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Your wife no fives. But you I will kill. But you can't, Doctor. I am already dead. Here, how are we going to get him off this? You take his head and I'll take his feet. Let's unscrew him. Dr. Vibes, who samples the finer things of life. his own inimitable way. There's boils of bats. Frogs? Frogs, yes. And there's of blood. There's of hail in the bloody middle of nowhere. Are you ready for Dr. That's probably one of the first ones I remember seeing. Saw that in the theaters. I don't know if it was the first run. I think it was on a, a double play. That was one of the great things about being a '70s monsters kid. Is there was uh, there was all these double features that came out, like the uh, you know, and Boy Who Cried Werewolf, and <laughs> the Bird Eye Gordon's last films, like uh, Empire of the Ants and Food of the Gods, and the Giant Spider Invasion, and Westworld, and there was just tons of movies that came out and sometimes i feel like they're getting forgotten because everyone's like focuses on universal and hammer and then they jump to the slasher films and there's that seven that period of 70s pg sci-fi and horror films that kind of i don't hear a lot of people talking about and and i was i was i grew up in the theaters watching those abominable dr fives is in there because of that the the tone of that film the the artistry of the film the humor of that film it's so 70s it's and his performance is fantastic uh, you know we don't see him moving his mouth he's you know i don't know if they you know they dubbed it afterwards how exactly they did that but it's he's just kind of moving his throat and he's talking but his voice is so fantastic in that and then as an honorable mention and it's in a similar vein to that movie is theater of blood to me i saw that later on and, you know, I love his Poe stuff. I love all of his stuff. I love even Lara, the, the film noir film, his classic film noir stuff. But Theater of Blood, his acting in that, you know, he's doing so much Shakespeare in that. But at the same time, he's being his evil persona that we know and love. That's another fantastic one, as an honorable mention. Yeah, definitely a good one. I think that was one of his favorites, too. Yeah, yeah it's just a great film. All right, card number four. 
Oh, okay. Edward Van Sloan as Dracula's Van Helsing, Frankenstein's Dr. Waldman, or The Mummy's Dr. Mueller? No, definitely the Dracula. That's where he really shines, I think. I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. 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 Thousands. Millions of them. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula. The original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dear? Tell he, me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms and he made me drink. You know, and he's basically the hero in that film, you know, to, to trying to defeat Dracula. Dr. Waldman is kind of like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to kill Frankenstein. You know, I'm going to kill the monster. <laughs> you know, and then uh, I, can, I can hardly remember him in The Mummy, so um, I'd have to say the Dracula one on that one. As much as I love Peter Cushing, Van Sloan is just iconic as Van Helsing. He's just so now good. That, now, that reminds me of this, um, one of the presentations I did as Santo, uh, one year at the Monster Bash, the theme was the vampires. So I said, and they were going to show Santo versus the vampire women, I think was the movie. So I came out as Santo and I had a PowerPoint presentation. And I was like, listen, I know we're having a problem. Look at the people that you have as vampire hunters. <laughs> and I put up a picture of Van Sloan, you know, this old geezer. I put up a picture of Peter Cushing, you know, skinny, scrawny little guy. I said, Listen, you, and now you guys are having problem with vampires, okay? And, and then I put up uh, the Twilight vampires, okay? So I said, listen, <laughs> Santo, me, me, my dad and I, and I, I say I'm Santa Tito. I'm like the 11th son of Santo. My mother was uh, his cleaning lady, and supposedly I'm his son. He denies it, but uh, I'm the 11th son. And so I said, you know what, you know, we're here. We're, we're willing to come up here to the United States and do some vampire hunting for you. And then the last slide is a picture of Santo holding on to the severed head with the spinal cord coming out of the uh, Twilight vampire guy, um, you know, and his eyes are blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, and then, you know, his line is, vampiros, no problema. You know, we're, we're here. You know, no one's taking care of these Twilight vampires. They're just running around free. Santo is willing to come up and fix that for you. So that was one of my presentations. <laughs> so if you want a real vampire hunter, get those luchadores. Getting in there. there you go. There you go. Good call. 
All right, last card, last question. What classic monster movie would you like to see turned into a live-action TV show? I was thinking of that particular one today. Seeing some of the shows that I've seen, like uh, like Walking Dead, which is basically Night of the Living Dead extended over five seasons, six seasons. <laughs> I think an interesting one would be Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Ooh. which is one of my favorite 50s films. Listen to me. Please listen. If you don't, if you won't, if you fail to understand, then the same incredible terror that's menacing me will strike at you! Come from another world, spawned in the light years of space, unleashed to take over the bodies and souls of the people of our planet, bringing a new dimension in terror to the giant super scope screen. It's whatever intelligence or instinct it is that can govern the forming of human flesh and blood out of thin air is fantastically powerful, beyond any comprehension. A cursed, dreadful, malevolent thing was happening to those he loved. It isn't just an ordinary body, is it? I never saw one like it. It looks unused. The sensational star discovery of the view from Poppy's head. And now an undreamed of horror makes her life and love a vortex of fear. Jack! Miles, where did they come from? I don't know. Suddenly, while you're asleep, they'll absorb your minds, your memories. I don't want any part of it. You're forgetting something, Miles. What's that? You have no choice. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spreads. As the unimaginable becomes real, the impossible becomes true. Stop and listen! Stop and listen to me! Listen! Listen! Listen to me! That is a short film. I think it was only 70, 80 minutes long. It kind of comes to a conclusion, but at the same time, it's like, what are they going to do? They have communities filled with these people. They look and talk and almost act just like us, but they're not us. They know about it now. What are they going to do? That would be a good series. How are we going to deal with this situation? There's a series that was out in the 60s that I know about, but I've not seen a lot of them. I, had, I think it had a similar theme to it. it was The Invaders with Roy Thanes, and I, it might have a similar idea to that. I think that people, the aliens were just like us, except their fingers were somewhat different. That was the only way you could tell that they were actually aliens. But I think, I think Invasion of the Biosnatchers and going from the Kevin McCarthy version and like what happens after they find out he's telling the truth there's these pod people. What are they going to do? How are they going to take care of this situation? I think that'd be a good show. I would watch that. Oh, wow. That would be. Mm. So if there's any TV producers listening, I'm just take that idea and run with it, please. For just Ken and I, we'll watch the heck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure everybody else would too. Or at least everybody else listening, because I mean, those are the movies that we love. And if we can get those into, man, oh, wow. I'm just, 
<laughs> I'm gobsmacked here. Yeah. Maybe Steve, well, you know here that's good. Steve Sullivan. I'm sure he's listening. There we go. Steve, at least write us a story. I'll patronize you. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he's been looking for patrons. I'll patronize you if you do an Invasion of the Body Snatcher sequel. Wow. What happens after when Richard Deacon and William Shallard, I think those are the two doctors that discover that he's telling the truth. What do they do next? That'd be a cool story. There we go, Steve. You listening? We can't get it on TV. We can get it from Steve Sullivan, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right on. Well, Ken, man, it's been a blast chatting with you. It's been a long time coming. So thank you for being mm-hmm. part of the show, and we're definitely going to have you back on, talk some Harryhausen, talk some more Luchador Monster movies, talk about whatever. I mean, you're one of us, so you pick a movie, mm-hmm. we'll chat about it. I, I really I really appreciate it. It's an honor. I've been thinking about doing my own podcast someday, and uh, you know, after uh, uh, Vince Rotolo's passing, it's, you know, it's kind of been something that's in my mind, and it's been a real honor to be on, and I appreciate you asking, and and I'm excited about doing. Uh, I'm going to take. I, I'm going to hold you to that Golden Voyage Sinbad. I'm going to do one of my uh, analysis. Like you remember, I did your creature from the Black Lagoon. That's right. Analysis, and I love doing those. I have. I I did some for Vince. He did all of Ray Harryhausen's science fiction films, but he didn't do any of the fantasy ones. And so I'd love to go through Golden Voyage of Sinbad and mark down all the animation scenes and see exactly how much stop motion animation was in that film and uh, do a little analysis for that too. So I look for, I'm looking forward That'll to that. That'll be a blast. We'll do that this year. Don't let me forget. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'll be on your case. When I'm ready, I'll let you know. <laughs> and if you do launch a show of your own or have any other projects coming up, let us know. We'll make sure we'll talk about it here on Monster Kid Radio. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. Blue Demon Jr. on Dancing with the Stars. He did send me the link to that. And I'll make sure that link appears in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. Blue Demon is the man. And you know who else is the man? Ken. Thank you so much for being part of Monster Kid Radio. I loved chatting with you. I loved watching the movie. And yeah, we'll definitely have you back on Monster Kid Radio down the line. And listeners, if you want to take him up on his offer for that DVD, email me. I'll go over that email address here at the end of the show. But first, I got a few other things to tell you about. Once this motion picture sinks its fangs into you, you'll never be the same. Don't say it. Kiss it. Don't say it. Kiss it. Don't say it. Kiss it. What the hell are you doing here? Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! I've been witnessing this. I feel like my guts are being rearranged. Touch your skin. It's scaled. Look for your legs. They're gone. Feel your body. It's cold. And listen for the hissing. I love you. Your face. What about it? It looks different. He doesn't want to see you. You're hiding something from me. I know it. King Cobra versus Mongoose, or is it man versus man? Most unusual horror film ever made. 
see it. Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. Oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Why don't you click over to Orphan Entertainment and remind yourself a little more about the show. Oh, will do. Let's see, that's at orphanentertainment.com. And yeah, it looks like we're available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Oh, hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie someday? Mm-hmm, we'll see, Christopher. We'll see. And baby, dance, come and dance with me. Hear the beat of the mountain sea. Ride, baby, ride, come and ride with me. Let your feet go easy. What do you make of this? Where does the other end go? It dumps into the ocean. It looks exactly like the South American Fantigua fish. I hope you can take one alive, Sheriff. I still believe that a human clawed that girl to death. Beach Girls and the Monster, starring John Hall, Sue Casey, and the glamorous Watusi dancing girls from Hollywood's famed Whiskey-A-Go-Go nightclub. Music by Frank Sinatra, Jr. You got a monster in the turf. Chicks, do you have a problem? You won't have after you meet the monster on the beach. If you see this ghoul, play it cool. Beauties in bikinis, laughing, singing, surfing, sinning. Beach party lovers making hey hey in the moonlight while the monster waits and watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one will kill you. are running out of time to vote in the 2016 Monster Rally Retro Awards, where we honor the best in monster movies, genre films from 1932, 42, and 52. Head over to tinyurl.com slash rallies2016. Rallies is spelled R-A-L-L-I-E-S 2016. Or go over to monsterkidradio.net and just follow the link over on the right-hand side of the page. The deadline for the ballot is June 9th, 2016, and then Steve Sullivan and I will be going over the winners, I'm hoping, towards the end of June. Also in other podcasting news, a couple of things. First of all, the latest episode of 1951 Down Place has been released. It is an episode devoted to the Hammer film, The Reptile. I talked about it with my co-hosts over there, Scott Morris and Casey Criswell. I had a blast. 1951 Down Place is your home for Hammer Films discussion on the web. Head over to 1951downplace.com to check that out or look it up in iTunes. In this remote little country village, the mortal remains of a man are laid to rest. Who is it this time, Peter? It's Mr. Spaulding. They found him this morning. Just like the others. Just like the others, he died in the night. 
Get away from there! Get away! Shh. Suddenly, violently, horribly. This is an evil place. Corrupt and evil. Evil, as venomous as a snake. Turns the quiet of this village into a writhing hell on earth. Where every man fears for his safety and his sanity. Where everyone is suspect. Do you mean they died by some sort of magic? Some witchcraft? For the first time in my life, I'm frightened. Everyone is frightened. The doctor who'd lived his life in the East. This man who could be the next victim. This woman and this girl are frightened, hypnotized by the crawling, creeping spell of the reptile. Stop! Pack your things, we're leaving. No, Dr. Franklin. You are not leaving. I could kill you. Possibly. But you could never be free then, could you? And what would happen to little Anna then? Trapped like animals in a cage and getting closer and closer, suffocating them with terror. The reptile. You know what else you can find in iTunes? The new Dorado Films podcast. After last year's soft launch, it is now up and running in earnest. We've done two episodes so far. There's a new episode every weekend planned doradofilms.libsyn.com that's L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com is where you're going to find the podcast or again just look it up over in iTunes or any other podcatcher or pod directory. Now Dorado Films is your home for European gold from the silver screen. Most of the movies in our library are 60s and 70s European films. Euro spy films, spaghetti westerns, thrillers, giallo, some sword and sandal movies. There's a really cool monster peplum film it's got a handful of titles, one of them being Perseus Against the Monsters. You might also know it as Medusa Against the Son of Hercules. It's from 1963, starring Richard Harrison, and it's got one of the coolest Medusas I've ever seen in a monster movie. Pretty neat. And that's one of the movies in our collection. You know, just to kind of keep it Monster Kid Radio flavored, Island of the Doomed, also known as Maneater of Hydra. That's another one of our films. And we have got some things in the works to put some movies on Blu-ray and DVD later this year. I've been an associate with Dorado Films for the past several years now, and I am thrilled to see what's going to be happening this year. So again, check out that podcast if you would. Subscribe, download an episode or two, and let me know what you think about it. Maybe even give us some feedback over at the Dorado Films Facebook page. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Once again, thank you to Ken for being part of the show this week. And thank you for listening to Monster Kid Radio. 270 episodes under our podcast belt. Thank you for being along for the ride. Over three years, man. Wow. I'm stunned to think that we've been going that long. You know, there's been a lot of movies that we've talked about here not that we're running out of movies, but you might have noticed that when Ken and I were talking, a movie that we've already talked about here on the show came up. That Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. He wants to talk about that. You know, we've already talked about it here on the show once. I don't think there's a problem with talking about some of these movies more than once. I just recorded this morning with Joe Stuber from Comic Book Central for an upcoming episode of Monster Kid Radio. And he and I talked about another movie that's already been covered here on the show in the past that we might record with him about. What I think will be interesting is to compare 
different people's viewpoints on the movies with each other. So yeah, maybe we've talked about Seventh Voyage of Sinbad with somebody else here on the show. Doesn't mean we can't talk about it with Ken down the line. So that's something to look forward to in the future of Monster Kid Radio. You know where else you can find information about the future of MKR? The Monster Kid Rally Gazette. This is the monthly e-newsletter that I put out at the end of every month with information about what's coming up on Monster Kid Radio, what's already happened. I write a Monster Kid tutorial every month. There's usually some sort of fun game, like I've been doing crossword puzzles lately. I think we're going to do another one this month. Head over to monsterkidradio.net. Over on the right, you'll see a place to put in your email address. Hit subscribe, and you're in. That's all you got to do. I want to thank everybody for their support of the show. Thank you for retweeting the tweets. And, oh, my God, you know what? You guys and gals never hear it. But whenever I say that, I always screw it up, and I have to edit it three, four, five times. I got it out in one take. Ha! Anyway, Twitter, yes, thank you for sharing sharing the Facebook posts as well and just talking us up and getting more listeners to the Monster Kid Radio Party. You know, the more the merrier. If you are a user of Facebook, please consider giving our Facebook page a like. If you're a user of iTunes, please consider giving us a review. Whatever you do, stay subscribed because next week on Monster Kid Radio, we have returning guest Michael Leggy. You might know him as the horror host Dr. Drek. Well, he put out a book earlier this year called... Dr. Drek's B-Movie Museum, and it's his take on a number of these classic and sometimes not so classic monster movies. These B-movies that he loves, that I love, that we all love. We're going to talk about that book with him next week on the show and then talk about a few other things as well because it's just so hard to keep a conversation short and sweet when it comes to talking about our favorite subject, monster movies. If you want to tell me about some of your favorite monster movies, you can call us at our voicemail line. It's 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. Or you can email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Until next week, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives. 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Beatnik Bandit. That belongs to the band The Blue Demons. They have a Facebook page. Go look them up. Follow the link in the show notes. However you track them down, let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao. <laughs>